drops the ball. Pigs have flown. Hell is frozen over. The Saints are on their way to the Super Bowl. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Twitter Tuesday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. On today's episode, of course, we're going to get to your questions from Twitter, but first, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, signs a 10-year deal exceeding half a billion dollars. How does that affect the quarterback market and which Saints quarterback does CBS Sports believe may be one of the next in line for a big deal? Then I asked Saints fans which of the black and gold they'd give a 10-year deal to. We'll talk about all the options and I'll tell you the only two that I'd consider and then we'll wrap up with your questions from Twitter for our Twitter Tuesday segment. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes signs a 10-year deal to stay in Kansas City. How does that affect the New Orleans Saints future quarterback market? And which of the Saints quarterbacks does CBS Sports believe is next in line for a big deal? That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So it's the biggest news around the NFL right now. 10 years being attached to the two years that remained on Patrick Mahomes' deal. The quarterback out of Kansas City getting a $503 million contract or up to not including the $28 million or so that he had left to be paid on his rookie deal and fifth year option. This is a humongous record-setting contract, not just in the NFL, But across all sports, it's the richest sports contract ever, ever, ever agreed upon in sports, in the history of sports. And the first time that an NFL player has set that mark, this surpasses Mike Trout's 420 some odd million dollar contract by a wide margin and a wide berth. But the big question here is not necessarily what this means for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, aside from the fact that we know that they will be together as long as the Chiefs continue to guarantee his salary one year ahead of each season. But the big question here is how does this end up affecting the Saints now that Patrick Mahomes has signed this humongous contract and essentially reset the quarterback market unlike anything that we have seen before? Of course, Drew Brees tied now for the 13th most expensive quarterback contract in terms of average per year. So in terms of looking back at the Saints being able to get Drew Brees back for what we assume will be his final season for just $25 million, that tells you everything you need to know there, that that was a fantastic get for the Saints, considering what could have been. Not that Drew Brees would have made $50 million a year. However, he certainly could have pushed beyond the $25 million that he signed in New Orleans. But it's not just about Drew Brees looking forward. It's about what the Saints are going to do with a couple of other quarterbacks that remain in that quarterback room. Taysom Hill, who has a pretty nice and sizable contract over the next couple of seasons, and also Jameis Winston, who was brought on on just a $1.05 million contract, but will have an opportunity after the season to either resign with the Saints or sign elsewhere. Of those two quarterbacks, CBS Sports in their article to where they named eight quarterbacks that could be up for big time contracts 
up in the upcoming seasons, actually named Taysom Hill as the quarterback that could be the guy to get that deal. Now, are they saying that Taysom Hill is worthy of getting $15 million a year? Absolutely not. That's not really what they're saying, but they are saying that desperate times call for desperate measures sometimes. And when it comes down to that, you have a guy that can play multiple positions, that can be a big time playmaker, and that can be a huge asset for any offense. And if he has the ability to end up playing as a starting quarterback in the NFL, whether it's with New Orleans or otherwise, he could be in line for a pretty big deal as the franchise quarterback for some club somewhere. Do I see that happening? Not necessarily. You look right above the section where they're talking all of this stuff about Taysom Hill, right above his little paragraph, and it shows a 50% completion rate over his career with 55 yards. That's the guy that we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that's thrown for 55 yards so far in his career. So it seems unlikely for me right now to project ahead and say that Taysom Hill is going to be somebody that's going to be in line for a humongous contract, but only time will tell. For me, out of those two options, when it comes down to Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston to me seems like the guy that absolutely has the ability to be the one to really go out there and sign a big contract after this season. Now, don't forget that Jameis Winston decided to sign in New Orleans so that he would have the opportunity to learn from some of the best quarterback minds in the NFL with Drew Brees, Pete Carmichael, Sean Payton, and Joe Lombardi. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he couldn't have gone out there and gotten himself a pretty nice deal as a starting quarterback elsewhere with a couple of starting jobs still open at the time that he signed with the Saints just after the draft. With that being the case, though, he has the ability to increase his market going into 2021 if he's able to clean up some of the issues that he showed back in 2019 during this season, working with what he calls the Harvard education of quarterbacks. So this is an outstanding opportunity for Jameis Winston to clean up a little bit of his game, get better at decision making and put something on tape that shows other teams out there that he could potentially be their future franchise guy. And of course, we can't rule out New Orleans from that as well. We said earlier that desperate times call for desperate measures, especially when it comes to teams looking for quarterbacks. There are going to be several teams out there looking for quarterbacks over the next couple of years. And Jameis Winston should be able to take care of that market and take advantage of that market. But Saints fans will need to ask, are the Saints going to be just as desperate after the 2020 season, depending upon what they learn about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston? And what does that mean in terms of what they're willing to spend for a signal caller that can keep their window open? So while I think an argument could be made to pay Jameis Winston heavily if he ends up improving and showing that he can be the new franchise guy in New Orleans or elsewhere. Not a lot of Saints players I would be willing to give a 10-year deal to. I took to Twitter to ask uh, a bunch of Saints fans about who it is that they would give a 10-year deal that's currently in black and gold. We'll talk about some of the names that came up. Good ideas, bad ideas, and I'll tell you the only two that I would ever give that long-term a deal up next here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, Houdet Nation, got a Twitter Tuesday episode here for you. But before we get to those questions, I got to keep talking about this $10 million, $500 million contract here. Wild, absolutely wild, record shattering. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more because I took to Twitter and I asked Saints fans which members of the black and gold they'd give a 10-year contract too. Before we get to that, y'all know I love to, to shout out people that take the time to review the podcast. So I just want to give out a quick shout out to Alex Schiff. Uh, for uh, living, leaving just a, an enormously kind review. And I thank you very much for that. I always ask that if people can, if you have the time, please take a moment to uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed yet. And if this is your first time catching the show, welcome. Glad, glad for you to be here. Uh, we still do five shows a day here uh, during the off season. So welcome in. We got a full week 
still ahead of us. But uh, and also, if you don't mind, take a moment. Just drop that five star rating and review. Every little bit helps. Want to shout out one little thing that Alex said in their review, mentioning that uh, always love how we're able to interact. So I just want to take a moment as well to remind you, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A, whether it's football related, life related, you just need to talk. I'm here. I got you. There's also the Locked on Saints Facebook group and now the new Locked on Saints Facebook page, which you can go and like as well. And finally, there's always the Locked on Saints listener line as well, where you can call, ask a question, get yourself featured here on the show. I actually have one voicemail that I do need to answer this week, 504-229-4265, if you want to be a part of that. So I took to Twitter and uh, asked about which Saints player Saints fans would give a 10-year contract to. Got a lot of interesting names, a lot of jokes as well. You know, we like to have fun out here. Uh, But a couple of the most notable or most named players on that list that I wrote down here were Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, and Ryan Ramchek. Excuse me, those are R's, not W's. Excuse my my infancy there for a second. And Will Lutz, the kicker as well. Um, those are some of the top names that we saw mentioned pretty often. You saw Nick Underhill mention Ryan Ramchek and Will Lutz. Uh, actually, Amy just had both of those on her list as well, but saw that a bunch of people were already saying them. So she also threw in Deontay Harris, who I'm not 100% against at all. But we did get some not as great ideas. Now, I'm not going to call them bad ideas. Um, because there's reasons, there's actual reasons here why these are not the best. Um, so a couple of people said Alvin Kamara. My issue with giving any running back a 10 year contract is that very rarely are running backs valuable and effective up to 10 years down the road. You're going to be able to point to some names like Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. Those are Hall of Famers. Those are guys that ha- are an anomaly. They are the exception to the rule. Nevertheless, AK has already been in the league for three years. You saw him deal with injury history and injury issues already here in his third year in 2019. So if you're expecting him to be nearly as effective 10 years down the road or really 13 years into his career, not so much. And of course, eventually you'll pair him up with somebody and there will be, you know, the workload will be shared and things like that. I I 100% get it. And you'd have to sign him to a contract that he probably wouldn't even agree to in the first place because it would have to be pretty low toward the end or it would have to be depreciating in value in order for it to make sense. So just too many variables there to make that work. A couple people also mentioned Demario Davis and also mentioned Cam Jordan. Both of them fantastic, phenomenal players. I want Cam Jordan to be a saint for the rest of his career. I don't know that either he or Demario Davis, though, play for another 10 years total. I don't know that they do. I'm not saying that they don't. Again, you can point to a guy like Cameron Wake and you can say, hey, he's a defensive end that's been playing into his, you know, late years and things like that are, you know, into his 40s. But again, that's an exception. That's an anomaly. That's not always the always the case, right? So these are a couple of guys that I think would be great to give 10-year contracts at the very beginning of their career, particularly Demario Davis and Cam Jordan, but not really people that I would give a 10-year deal at this time. Another name that came up a bunch was Thomas Morstead, which I absolutely love. Again, toward the beginning of his career, be more than happy to give him a 10-year contract. You may as well have given him one already. Same thing for Drew Brees. You may as well have just given a guy a 10-year contract back in 2009 when he won the Super Bowl. You'd be basically in the exact same position here this offseason as you were anyway. So you might as well uh, have just taken advantage of it and taken care of it at that time. But out of the guys that were mentioned that are at the top of this list, Michael Thomas, Marshall Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick, Will Lutz, 
there's only two players that I would ever give a 10-year contract to. And those two players are Ryan Ramchek and Will Lutz. Ryan Ramchek, because look, I get a little bit concerned about giving a big guy, a big guy up front, a 10-year deal because injuries, foot injuries, ankle injuries, Achilles injuries, knee injuries, lower waist, you know, below the waist injuries, hip injuries, all those things could cause a ton of issues for big guys up front. But Ryan Ramchek has been relatively healthy. He comes from a school and a program and a conditioning program that has proven to be able to put out players that end up performing well into the, you know, eighth, ninth year of their career. I don't need you to perform 10 years in, right? Because by that 10th year, I'm probably already starting to phase you out. I'm probably already starting to, to, to bring somebody in to take over your spot, whatever. I need you to make eight or nine years work, seven, eight, nine years work, and then we'll probably have an out built into the contract anyway, things like that. That's really what I need. I don't need somebody that's really going to be effective all the way into the 10th year of their contract, which would be great. Don't get me wrong. But what you're looking for really when you're talking about an extension and a, uh, you know, an extended contract, long-term contract this long, you're going to want somebody that's a leader, not only at their unit, but as a leader for the team. So Ryan Ramchek, definitely a part of that. Will Lutz, a leader of his special teams unit, absolutely fills that role. And then you want guys that are going to be effective deep into the contract, again, into the latter half of the contract and as deep into that as possible. It doesn't need to be all the way through because you can start to prepare for their contract coming to an end. But you know, if you can get into, like I mentioned before, that seventh, eighth, ninth of the year, then you're fine. And then not only that can be effective that far away, but that can also just simply be healthy enough to play into the deeper portion of that contract as well and play out as much of the contract as possible. Those are the things that you're looking for. Ryan Ramchek certainly has the durability to be able to do that. So he's definitely one person that I would consider giving that big or add that long a contract to. I'm not talking about the money part. I'm not giving anybody half a billion dollars. I'm not out here trying to do that. I'm just talking about the 10-year commitment part. That's all I'm talking about. With outs, with guarantees, with things that make it work both for player and club, of course. You know, Drew Bledsoe signed, what, a 10-year contract, over $100 million in 2001, and immediately got hurt. And the Patriots, because of the way that they structured that contract, were able to get out from under his big, big, big deal and then move Tom Brady right in. So you have to be smart about the way that you structure the contracts. And everything. When it comes to those contracts, Donovan McNabb played out about eight years. You look at, um, he had a, what, a, a 12-year contract with the Eagles, if I remember correctly. You had a 10-year contract with Brett Favre, the quote-unquote lifetime deal. He played out mm, seven years of that. And then you had Drew Bledsoe who played out two games of his 10-year contract. And then, of course, there was Michael Vick's contract too, which the legal trouble, everything that happened with him ended up cutting his short within about four or five years. So, that's you have to have those outs built in for certain situations, injury, legal issues, things like that. Will Lutz, you don't really have to worry about health as much when it comes to a kicker. You have to worry about it, but not the same way you have to worry about guys in the trenches whacking their heads up against other guys' heads. Not the same type of concern. So Will Lutz, I think it's somebody that's going to be very effective in two, 10 years of his career. Go ahead and lock him down on a 10-year contract and let him keep being the kicker that Saints fans have waited for the entire Sean Payton era. Now lock him down for the rest of it and then not worry about it. And Sean Payton, by the way, also somebody I would give a 10-year contract to continue coaching this team because I think he's been a fantastic leader. And I don't think he plans on going anywhere either. Anyway, I don't think he plans on going anywhere anyway. The guy said he has a Florida Lee tattooed on him. I don't know. I doubt that that's true, but if he don't, it, it's tattooed on his heart, so he ain't going anywhere. So those are my ideas for the 10-year contract. Coming up next, got some more questions to answer from you on this Twitter Tuesday. Got those coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. 
All right, Huda Nation, wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from Twitter. It is Twitter Tuesday, after all. I want to give a quick shout out to Zach Bradley at the Zach Bradley on Twitter, who actually asked me uh, if I would, who would I extend on the Saints roster for 10 years? And, and who would that player be? And I ended up, that ended up being a segment anyway, and I didn't see the question. So I, I, he got his question answered. He got a whole segment for it. So shout out Zach Bradley for being same page, same word uh, with me on that one. So let's go ahead and jump to, uh, we got three questions here, though. One of them is a little bit, is multiple, multiple questions here. Uh, but let's start off with a fun one. We'll go with uh, Kev from Frisco, K. Ordonez, uh, 0921 on Twitter. This is a great question. If you were about to get into a fist fight with a Falcons fan, name three Saints players that you would want on your side. One from offense, one from defense, and one from special teams. Kev, I can take care of myself. Okay, I'm just playing. No, but this is a fun one. Uh, I really like this because I would go first because I'm not really a fighter. Y'all know me. I'm an optimist. I'm a, you know, that's not really my style anyway. So for me, uh, my first guy would be my first line of defense over on the defensive side. No pun intended. It'd be Demario Davis because he could talk the situation down. He can come in. He can be an adult. He can be a grown human being. And he can say, listen, man, use your words. Let's talk about this. And he would be on my side with that. And then if that doesn't work, I would come in with my second line of defense here with Teron Armstead. Teron ain't letting nobody get to me. You know what I'm saying? Teron's not going to let some puny Falcon fan get past him to get to that's not happening and if i needed him to tron could hold me back you know what i'm saying he would hold me back to make sure that i don't hurt the puny little falcons fan i'm just y'all y'all know i am not at all intimidating but i'm gonna have tron Armstead out there because he's gonna be my lead blocker he's gonna take care of me and then if for whatever reason that all fails i'm calling in thomas morstead thomas morstead's kicking this falcons fan right in the chest and it's simple. It's done at that point. We are 100% finished with this conversation, me and this Falcons fan, as soon as Thomas Morissette comes in and kicks him in his chest. What are you going to do? Thomas Morissette just kicked you in the chest, fam. Like you, there is no more, there's nothing else for us to discuss here. So those are my three. Demario Davis comes in first, tries to calm down the situation, tries to kind of mitigate a little bit. Can't be mitigated. No problem, Teron Armstead. He's going to be the physical barrier between me and puny little Falcons fan. If that doesn't work, Thomas Morris said coming through, swift kick in the chest. It's all done. We're going for hot dogs. It's simple. We're all finished here. And that's the big thing too. Like it, it makes me think, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big Dave Chappelle fan. And uh, it makes me think of one of his comedy sketches. It was actually in the deleted scenes of one of his DVDs. Actually, I remember this is from the Chappelle show it was in the deleted scenes. He did like some some comedy in between. And one of the things he talks about how is there was nothing more satisfying than kicking somebody in the chest. But I'm going to tell you what, man, if I have the option to either kick somebody in the chest or watch Thomas Morstead kick somebody in the chest, I'm watching Thomas Morstead do a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I, I, I would gather so much joy from that, especially if it's a Falcons fan. 10 out of 10. I'm implicating Thomas Morstead at this point, but y'all see him in the workout videos and all the work that he's putting into, not just the lower body. He's not just working on the legs. He's working on the upper body as well. He's getting all that work in, but I'll tell you what, man, Thomas Morstead comes in, kicks a dude in the chest. We're finished here. I just went three minutes. I just went three minutes talking about Thomas Morstead kicking somebody in the chest. I've never been prouder of myself. All right, let's jump on to our next question here from at Nation 3 on Twitter. Will Deontay Harris be more involved offensively this season? I do believe so, and it sounds like that is the plan, although I do believe as well that Traquan Smith will get sort of first shot at that wide receiver three position, but Deontay Harris should be pretty close closing in on that as well, especially depending upon how quickly he picks up the offense 
during training camp. Now, you know the Saints are going to want to preserve him. They're going to want to do everything that they can in terms of making sure that he can still be their primary returner and put him in a position to where he can actually benefit in terms of flipping the field, something that the Saints did very, very well last season, along with Thomas said that goes very underrated. So I think that he's still very much going to be a special team's focus. And because of that, he might not get you know, 60 something percent of snaps on offense, but you're going to see him involved in offense a lot more than you saw last season, a little bit more than what you saw toward the end of last season, I would imagine. Because the thing about Deontay Harris is that he's not going to come in and just be a field stretcher. Can he do that? Yes, absolutely. We saw that. A wild card game. We all saw what happened. He completely destroyed uh, Xavier Rose. Rose were wide open when it came to Deontay Harris's double move there with the 50-yard pass from Taysom Hill in the wild card game. But when it came down, when it, when it comes down to what I think you're going to see as well from Deontay Harris is what you can do if you get him the ball underneath in space. If you can get him to a place where you're able to scheme him open, which Sean Payton does, very, very well and continue and will continue to do with a guy. Doesn't matter if you're an undrafted free agent, he will find a way to do that for you. If they can find ways to scheme him open underneath, get the ball in his hands in space and allow him to turn into a returner with the ball in his hands, then he's absolutely deadly. Like he's going to be a big part of this offense. I do believe that he will be. And it's not just about him being able to get down the field and stretch the field like Ted Ginn Jr. was used. I think that if they can get him involved underneath and allow him to be able to operate in space, that's going to be huge for the Saints coming in. And I think it's going to be great for De- uh, for Deontay Harris to have that extra sort of uh, element to his game, that extra layer to his, to the onion. I think that that's great for him. All right. Now we got three questions from Big Rob at BGR3168. Y'all throw him a follow. He's the homie. Uh, he came through with three questions here. Will we have a season? Will we have piped in noise and in terms of crowd noise and Will Jadavion Clowney be a saint? So I, I got to answer these in a logical order, which is in the way that they came in. Will we have a season? I maintain my answer. Yes, y'all. I know. I know. I see the cases going up. I'm not blind to it. I promise you. And I'm not necessarily advocating for a season either. I'm more about everybody's health. But I got to tell you what, money is what talks here. Money is always going to be going to be the deciding factor. And as I've said, and I've said this several times, I think that it's more likely that the season starts up and fails than it not starting up at all. So I think that no matter what, you're going to get something. I don't know. Again, it's not going to look the same. It's not going to be the same game. You're not going to see fans in the stands for the most part, but it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. My biggest thing is I just want everybody to be safe. However it is that they figure it out, however it is, whatever it is that the NFL can learn from the NBA bubble, the MLB bubble, the, the unfortunate situation that is the WNBA bubble, everything that's going on around these other professional sports leagues right now, whatever they can learn from this to make the NFL more safe, that's what I hope that they're able to do. And I hope that we get a full-on season without too many big changes in terms of you know only half of a season or a delayed start date or anything like that. So I maintain that we will still see a season here uh, here in 2020. Will we have piped in crowd noise? I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with that because I would rather not. But if they're going to allow some fans in some stands and some fan and no fans in others, how is that going to affect the need for things like piped in crowd noise? Because then you have an advantage in some places that other places don't have and things like that. So it'd be interesting to see exactly how that all gets mandated. Because I would prefer there not to be any crowd noise. I want to hear what's going on on the field. It's no different for the players and the, and the teams. They hear each other's calls all the time. And they change up every every uh, every week. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I'm really interested in it. I, I'm really I, I would love to hear it without any kind of artificial noise at all. I'm perfectly fine with there being no stands in there aside from 
all the people that miss out, including myself, on the the atmosphere. But in terms of being able to watch the game from home, I'm not going to be mad about it. Let me hear what's going on on the field. I'm more interested in that personally than some fake crowd noise. That's what me and that puny Falcons fan that Thomas Morrissey kicked in the chest had a big argument about. I'm just saying. And then finally, will Clowney be a Saint man? I don't know. I look, Clowney is in no hurry to sign. He said that he'll he'll be signed before training camp begins, or or I think he said before camp, or at least before the, the quote unquote preseason. Uh, but we'll see exactly what happens with them. But at this point, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I certainly hope so. I will say that. I certainly hope so because I think he would be, as I've mentioned and as I talked about here in depth on the show, as well as over at Canal Street Chronicles, he's a perfect fit for what it is that the Saints need at that third defensive end position. All right, y'all. It's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure that you come back tomorrow. It's Wednesday. It means Dome Patrol time. David Grubb will be coming through. We've got a special guest coming up on Friday that I'm very excited about. Can't wait to share with y'all. And then, you know, the usual stuff. We got Throwback Thursday. We got Facebook Friday. Make sure you get your questions in over at the Locked on Saints Facebook group. All that good stuff. Got so much more coming up for you this week. Now that you're done here at Locked on Saints, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NFL Draft. Catch up with Ben and Trevor, everything going on. They still have their summer scouting sessions going on right now. Super fun to listen to and then get ahead of the uh, 2021 NFL Draft class, scouting, all that good stuff. Thank you very much, as always, y'all, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust to That Nation. I'll holla at you.